The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. We've been going through a series where we've been looking at the letter of James. And uh, so we've been preaching on this and we're continuing to go through this so that we're actually taking the letter and we're saying, what does this letter say to us? What has he got to tell us? And James is a remarkable man. For me, and I know not every, every uh, commentator would say this, but I believe that this is the brother, the half-brother of Jesus. I believe that he had walked with Jesus. I believe that he had seen the miracles of Jesus. You can't not be touched by that. From what the Bible says, it would appear at the beginning when Jesus was around and he's just there with him, he's wrestling. Just like everybody was wrestling. What manner of man is this that he does these things? Who is this guy? Because we've got a religious system. We've got a way of going about things and he keeps doing this. It's like it doesn't fit. And yet what he does is abundantly wonderful. And we're hearing stories of people who were born blind. And he's making them see. And he's raised a man called Lazarus from the dead. What is this? And you know what? He was out preaching one day and he's fed 5,000 people. And there was enough to go around afterwards. Who is this guy? And as a brother, he's trying to wrestle with this idea. He's heard stories from his mum, but he's wrestling with these things. But now James has seen his brother, his half-brother, die on a cross. And he's seen him risen again. And in fact, after he's risen from the dead, he comes to speak to him. I wonder what he said. I wonder if that was the moment when James opened his heart, I believe. There's always struggles with belief. We have to hold on to truth. And the truth for that moment for James was meeting his brother again face to face. Who, whom he had seen die was now alive. Talking to him. Touching him. Holding on to him. Speaking to him. Sure, Jesus, he returns to heaven. But James is there, one of those who's leading the church. And I say this to you because I think it's important. He's leading the church. It's not just that he's a new boy on the block and thought, oh, hey, I'm going to write a letter. He's writing it from the benefit of experience. He's writing it from the benefit of having seen things and gone through things. He's writing it from that. So today, let's catch up. And we're, we're looking at James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. It's going to be... I'm going to speak extremely quickly. <laughs> no, I'm not going to get through it all, but it doesn't really matter. Let's read the passage. This is what he starts off, and he's talking to these people, and he says, what good is it? What good is it? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? What good is that? That's what he says. What good is that? Guys, what, what good is that if you claim to have faith and you've got no deeds? 
This is how he starts. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And I was going to entitle this message, Let Your Light Shine Out, using a quote from Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, which says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I take hold of that scripture because I think that's really what James was trying to get across. You see, if you were to go into the commentators and read about James, and you were to read also, you know, look it up on the internet, you read about Martin Luther, the great reformer. Martin Luther preached that it's by, salvation is by faith alone. It's only by trusting in what Jesus has done for us that we are saved. And yet here we got James talking about faith and works. And he's going on about works as if to say, look, the things that you do, they're very important. And of course, some people say like, well, actually, look, I can be saved just by doing nice things. I've helped 53 old ladies across the road. How many more? You've only done two. You see, my good deeds have elevated me to the place of salvation. James is not saying that. He's not saying that. That's why I started off with the story about who James was. Look, he's been with Jesus and he's seen the things of the church for years. He's experienced life in Jerusalem and the whole thing of faith and the difficulties of faith and standing up for your faith. He knows that it's only through Jesus that you can find salvation. Jesus' blood shed on the cross, that is his death, is the only thing that frees us from the sin that we have committed, the wrong that we have done before God. It is only by faith in that blood that we find salvation. But James is saying this. Having come to that place of the knowledge of, wow, Jesus, you've set me free, don't you think you ought to be behaving and living like Jesus now? And you see, that's his point, I believe, that he's trying to say, guys, it's all very well to say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. There has to be a look of Jesus about you. You see, we're here. Jesus has gone back. He went back to heaven. Yes, he's coming again for us, praise God, to take us away. And maybe it'll be just before everything goes wrong. And everything looking around the world, you think, what is going on with the world? You know what's going on with the world? God is putting his stamp down and saying, I'm in charge. 
I don't care what you say. If you want to have something as small as a virus, I can stop the nations because I'm almighty God. You see, when you see it, you think like, wow, God is powerful. Do you remember the time when the Icelandic volcano went off? Just a little volcano. I mean, you know, natural things, they happen. Yes, but in the northern hemisphere, all the flights were stopped. I can remember it. You think like, God, you are powerful. You can do what we would not expect. You see, we have our expectations. Things must be like this. There must be food in the shops. There must be toilet rolls on the shelves. And when he, what, what are we going to do with that? We have to start looking to Jesus. We have to start looking to him. But this Jesus, who's made the way for our sins, who's cleansed us from that, James is trying to say, listen, if you're saying you're following him, then he's gone back to heaven. You are supposed to be his hands and feet down here. You're supposed to be the multiplication of Jesus. So it's like there's Jesuses in this room because we are taking him wherever we go. And we're going all over the place. Different jobs, different experiences, different expressions of life, different people groups that we're meeting, all sorts of circumstances that just we in this room are affecting, but we are going out and we need to be Jesus in those places. So what good is it if you go out to those places and you see people who are in need and you say, hey, love you, I'm going to pray for you, hope everything goes well, but you do nothing to help them. Now, this is an annoying passage, okay? It's one of the passages where we want to get scissors and say, I'm going to just remove that. I'm going to be along with Martin Luther. This is an epistle of straw. We don't want it. No, no, no. We do want it, but we don't like what it says because it says responsibility comes with following Jesus. That's what it says. There's a responsibility. You can't just take it or leave it. It's not come and go. It's not, you know, you do what you want. That isn't the Christian faith. The Christian faith is, God, you are sovereign. I come under your authority. You are the one that dictates the terms. I am the one that surrenders to you because you are the one who holds my life in your hands. That's what we're talking about. And that's what James is talking about. Now, you know, for me to illustrate this particular, and I'm jumping around a bit here, to illustrate a story of this is really for us to reflect back on Jesus himself telling the story of the Good Samaritan. Because there, you see, we've got a religious person and he comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to gain salvation? And you know, he says, oh, you've got to keep this, keep that. Or is it, he says, you, you've got the, the greatest laws. What, in fact, I'll read it so I actually quote it correctly. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, right. In other words, absolutely, you're on the button. Do this, he says, and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions. Hey, just hang on a second, Jesus. Who, who is my neighbor? In other words, let me just make sure I'm in the right here. Let me just make sure that I'm living correctly. I'm doing things by the letter of the law. So who is my neighbor? And then Jesus goes on to tell what we would say is the story 
of the Good Samaritan. He said a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. So Jesus is just telling this story. And he says, this good news, good news, even in this difficult situation, the good news is this is a busy road. It's a well-worn road. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho, many people going up and down it, and sure enough, a priest comes along. Hooray for the priest. Because he's a religious man. He's going to church. He says, uh, don't quote me on it. He says he follows Jesus. Obviously, he doesn't. He's following Moses, but you know what I mean, putting it into modern context. He follows the ways of God. And he sees the man, and he walks past. Oh, hooray, somebody else comes along. This is a Levite. And don't forget, when we're talking about priests and we're talking about Levites, we're talking about the people chosen, called, selected by God to serve God. Top people. He sees it. You know. One of them's on the other side. They keep, they keep the other side of the road. They see it. They don't want to get engaged. Jesus carries on with the story. Jesus is so amusing. So he says, like, and a Samaritan. This is, I can't really put it into context for us, but this is like saying, a one of the despised ones. One of the people that you won't talk to. One of the people that you would overlook. One of the people that you wouldn't give up your seat for. One of those people comes along. They see the guy. They go over to him. They help him. They clean him. They bind up his wounds. They put him on their donkey. They take him to the nearest inn. They put him up. They pay for it. And they say, if it, say to the innkeeper, look, if it's more than I've given you, when I come back next time, I'll repay you the rest. And then Jesus turns back to the expert in the law and he says, which of these three was a neighbor to this man? Very clever with his teaching abilities. Jesus isn't telling him, he's showing him and now he's asking him. And of course the guy says, well, it's almost like I don't want to say it, but you know the despised one, the Samaritan, he's the one who actually practically helped and showed love so it's him. Yes, it's him. And you see, James is saying, look, you remember that story? That's how Christians are supposed to live. We want to walk past on the other side of the road. Why? Because it's not convenient. Because I don't want to give my money to that. Because, you know, this is frustrating. I don't like the look of that person. What are they going to do to me? Look, we've got a whole raft of issues which we have put through our minds and said, like, process, process. Oh, I feel a bit guilty. No, 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 that's the right decision. So we let it go. I'll pray for you. But what good is that? If we're going to have faith, faith is a transforming thing. It's supposed to make us like Jesus. So we're supposed to be transformed into him, image and likeness. We sing, you know, I want to be like Jesus. But do we? So James is challenging these things. If we want to be like Jesus, then we're going to have to be like Jesus. We're going to have to do the things that Jesus does. We're going to have to speak. Now, even when I was thinking about that, this teacher of the law, he says, the best thing is for us to love God and to love our neighbor. I suddenly thought, like, but love has to show itself. You've got a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a wife, husband, whatever, mum, dad. You know, oh, I love you, I love you. They were saying, I love you. Great. But if there is nothing 
that actually anchors that in truth about their lives. Do you? Do you really? But you see, when you stop and think like, wow, they wash my clothes. They put the rubbish out. <laughs> I, was trying to th- I have to process what things I'm going to say to you because you know, I don't know where you're all coming from. So I'm processing them. All the things that we do. It's not just buying a birthday present. As, we think, as William said, it's like, or, or Yomi, it's like thinking about what present that person would actually like. You're putting some effort into it. You're thinking because you love them, you want to do something. This is the challenge that James is raising. You can't just go through life saying, yeah, I see your need. Oh, bless you. Pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. I hope it all changes. You've got to get dirty in there. You've got to get in there. You've got to help out. Now, I know we're running out of time, so I'll just cut through on this. This is a problem, okay, because now we come to the whole thing of like boundaries. Let's talk about boundaries. Because you see, there's this guy that I walk down the street, I pass him every day and he's begging. I mean, is he a professional beggar? I mean, is he homeless? I mean, does he need food? And we have this at the church because we have some of those characters who come in to speak to us and talk to us. I've had one of the guys come to speak to me and he needs money for electricity, he needs money for food, he needs money for this, he needs money for that. And he needs money and I think to myself, you know, are you honest? Are you upright? Are you true? Probably neither of those things. But what does the word of God say to us? And this is where we have to wrestle. Let's go back to what Jesus had said on the Sermon on the Mount. And if you remember when I first talked about this, we've got this history of James. James refers a lot to the message of the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps he was there listening to his brother preach it. He's heard this message and it affects his life. Matthew 5, this is Jesus preaching. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Are you listening to this? This is painful. The reality of this is painful. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, As your heavenly father is perfect. That's what Jesus was teaching. Now, there are the need for boundaries. There are the need for wisdom. There is the need for wisdom. There's the need for understanding. There there is that need. But I found this. It costs you. So I've lent money. Lent money. So I'm trying to be careful. I'm lending money. And there are great promises to have it repaid. And I have had money repaid. And so I have relent it. And right now I'm looking pretty stupid because it hasn't been repaid. So is that right or wrong? Who is the stupid one? Me? Well, yes. But then you've got to wrestle with the word of God. 
You see, because ultimately, what are we doing? Are we holding on to our money because it's so precious to us? Or are we thinking about what does God want us to do? Now, I'm not saying that every one of you goes out of here. In fact, I'm going to disguise myself as a beggar and get out here quickly. Because when after this sermon, I'm going to get very rich from all of you. You understand what I mean? This is something that's like, you've got to process these things, but listen to what it said. What James is telling all of us is this, is that, you can come up by, is that there's more to us to think about. God is saying to us, don't just be praying for people, oh, I saw someone in need, what can I do to help them? What is God asking of me to help them? Yes, that person. See, that what we don't want to do is we want to give money because it means we don't have to give anything else. I'll give you some money. Good, that's got you out of my life because I don't want to be like the Samaritan. I haven't got time to hang around. I don't want to find out what your story is. I'm not really interested in you. I want you to get something, but I want you out of my way. That's one of the reasons why we give money. That isn't good enough. Jesus wants us to make friends because he wants us to bring the kingdom in. He wants us to influence people's lives. He wants us to bring change. And my friend, who I don't know where he is at the moment, all over the place, that's irrelevant. I have benefited from relationship with him. He has changed my perspective. So I am richer through having met him, but I am poorer in my bank account. Okay? That's the truth. But I am richer. And you know what? The richness I have outweighs the money because it's experience and I can use that experience in other things and God can show you things so here we are coming back to James James is saying to, to us all sorts of things and he's he's asking us in our faith to have faith that has deeds about it that isn't just oh I know God I know theology. I know that there's three, you know, three persons, one God, but three persons. We can know all the theology, but he wants us to go beyond theology. He wants to go into practicality. See, that's why he says, oh, you believe that there's one God? Good, even the demons believe that. In other words, you've got theology, the demons have got theology. The thing is, the demons believe it. That's what he's saying. I want you to get out there and help people. I want you to be moved. Now, yes, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but let our hearts be softened. Because I know, because I can talk about my own heart, my own heart will say, like, okay, look, here's a couple of quid, get out of my way. That's what our hearts are like. And this word is saying, please, will you let your heart be softened? Will you let your heart be changed? Will you let your heart be transformed? The final verse of chapter 2 says this, as the body without the spirit is dead. In other words, and if you've never seen a, a dead body, then there's not much life there. But if the body, when the spirit leaves the body, there's just a body. It doesn't make any responses. So James says, so faith without deeds is dead. And that's the challenge he's bringing. He's not saying you get saved by deeds. He's saying that you have been saved so that deeds can flow out of you. So that good works can flow out of you. And there are loads of questions that come with it. As I say, there's loads of parameters. There's loads of things to think about. But the message is worth taking hold of because it's challenging for us. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.